This is the Women's Retail Collective podcast, where I, your host, Anne Mazinga, pull together retail's most influential women to talk about their careers, how they made it to senior level leadership, and how they're leading their organizations through the rapidly evolving retail industry. This podcast is made possible through the support of our sponsor, Parcel Pending. Don't just improve your customer experience, make it special with Buy Online Pickup and Locker by Parcel Pending. Purpose built to meet retailers' unique needs, this smart delivery solution seamlessly integrates with existing order management apps and systems to make BOPAs faster, safer, and more flexible for shoppers. To learn more, visit parcelpending.com. Today on the podcast, we have Patricia Hong. Patricia is a partner at the Consumer and Retail Group at Alvarez & Marcel. Patricia, you were prepared for this interview, I can tell, because we are wearing matching black motorcycle jackets. You just, I mean, I think it's going to be great. There's no denying it. How are you? I'm I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I'm so glad. Um, well, in these in these conversations, I really like to start way back in the beginning. Um, you know, you told me that you grew up in Brazil. I, I'd love to just find out a little bit about you and and then kind of take me into your first job in retail. Um, I grew up in Brazil. I was born and raised in Brazil. Um, first generation born in Brazil. Uh, my mom is from Spain. My dad is from China. You know, I've been in the U.S. for 20 years. I came here for business school. Um, It's a great question you asked because I think one of the questions that you had set me in advance because I did prep a little bit (laughs) was what drew me um, to consulting, right? Right. And it's 100% linked to what ended up bringing me to the U.S., right? So consulting as a career is was 100% accidental. I pretty much stumbled into consulting. I did not think I would be doing this 20 years later. I took a job in consulting straight out of college in Brazil because I knew that consulting firms had a program to sponsor people to come and do their MBAs in the U.S. It was a sure, I mean, it was a sure thing. If I did well, I knew I could come over and do my MBA. I really wanted to be here. What did you go, what were you consult, like what was your initial consulting plan? Like what were you working on? What kind of projects? It could be any, any job, any industry, any topic, right? And that's, I guess that's the beauty of consulting. And that's part of the reason why I fell in love with it. Even though, you know, when I went in, I had no idea that that's kind of what would happen. I literally went in for, I'm going to do an MBA. I'm going to stick for the job for two years. And then I'm going to figure out what I actually want to do in life. Right. Um, And my first job was at a publishing company. Um, it was Brazil's largest publishing company, um, all kinds of magazines and books and newspapers. Um, and I helped in this super large transformation program. And it was it was a lot of fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But I still didn't think I would be doing this now. Right. I still just felt I'm learning and it's driving me towards my goal. And um, I'm going to be out of here eventually. Well, how do you do like, how do you really immerse yourself so deeply in, you know, when you're a generalist like that? I mean, what kinds of skills do you think that you have? Because it's not a job that everybody can do. I mean, I think that we hear of consultants and 
it's it's pretty a pretty significant dig your heels in really get up to speed quickly and then be able to provide you know recommendations to giant companies for how they could do their jobs better like what do you think is important um or important skills i guess to have if somebody's Mm -hmm. considering going taking this path as you did um, so I, I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about this a lot because as part of this new venture that I'm in, we're recruiting a lot of people, right? And we're training a lot of people. And I mean, the general stock answer, which is absolutely accurate, is, you know, you have to handle problem solving really well. You have to have intellectual curiosity. You have to be a good communicator, you have to be a good listener. Um, you have to go deep into things. Um, so there's there's a number of things which are all the things that we use to evaluate our people on, right? But I think that there are a couple of things that are deal breakers in this job for you to truly right. do it exceptionally, right? And so for me, number one, in my opinion, having been in this job for 20 years now, is you have to be comfortable with the idea that when you go into a new problem, you don't know what the answer is going to be. Hmm. Even though you are being hired because of your expertise, you should not assume that you already know the answer. And you have to be both comfortable with that feeling and you also have to kind of enjoy the thrill of knowing that you're going to get there, but you don't know exactly what it's going to look like in the end. And that kind of brings me to the second point, which I think the only re- the only way you can do it is if you have a combination of being humble and being confident. And I okay. say that because it's a little bit of a tricky balance, right? Because when you're hired to be an expert and you're an advisor and you've done this at so many other places, um, there is a confidence that comes with that, right? Um, but you are in a different client and the moment in time is never the same, right? So right now we're going through something that there is no baseline for it, right? Mm-hmm. And that has happened in other times in my life, or you are in a different geography, or you're dealing with, you know, some kind of consumer shift. And so you've got to take everything that you know, and you've going to marry it with what your client knows. And it's it's a collaboration exercise. So I do believe, you know, humble and confident is another one of those kind of like you've got you've got to have it to be able to excel in this um, in this job. I'm curious about the competition because I feel like this is a highly competitive area, too, and how you like balance this, like being correct or having your level of expertise, but then also being humble and confident all at the same time. I mean, it's got it feels like it would be a constant kind of juggling game where you're trying to figure out the right levels of when do I show confidence? How do I show expertise? When am I, when am I pulling back and saying, I don't know the answer? I mean, how do you, how do you handle that? So I think the other thing that I think it's super important is you just have to know that this is a team sport and this may sound a little bit cheesy, uh, but it's absolutely (laughs) true. And, um, and, why that's important based on your question is because sometimes you don't have the answer and you're not the right person to give that answer and your colleague is, right? And your client is much better served if you step back and you say, you know, let me bring so-and-so or if you're brainstorming with someone else or if it's someone that is 
a junior person on your team. I do a lot of work with, you know, how consumers are behaving and what they want and then what are the implications for my clients. Now, I'm not a millennial. I'm not a Gen Z. Um, I am not sitting in China. So depending on what the problem is, I need to go to people that are living and experience that day to day to be able to bring their perspective. So, and that's why it's, you know, you have to know when you can take a step back and it's, I think it's okay, but it's, it, it takes a while to get there. For sure. Well, you mentioned that you, um, your, a lot of your job is researching and understanding the consumer. I'd love to bring it back a little bit to some of the early consulting jobs that you did take on. You spent a lot of time in like the beauty and luxury and personal care area. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I okay. Did. Tell us about that. Um, so, yeah. So in my prior life, which was not that far gone, which was about <laughs> 18 months ago, <laughs> I, used to, um, I used to run um, the beauty luxury and personal care sector for my prior um, firm. And, you know, beauty was kind of my day-to-day, right? My, my major client was in beauty. And so I spent a lot of time there. Now, being in a consumer and retail industry, right? When you are an advisor and a strategist for those industries, and let's take beauty, for instance. Yeah. In that particular case, I'm also a consumer, right? Mm-hmm. And Um, I often take a step back and think through what are my habits, what are the behaviors that I'm changing, what are the needs that I have, and what are the implications for the brands and the communication and and the, you know, the way that my client is out there. Um, So how are my own habits changing plays a lot into it. Now, again, I, you know, I am not equaling, you know, what I, what I have and how I behave doesn't equal to how everybody else is. Right. And so we do a lot of um, consumer research. Um, We do a lot of focus groups um, so we can actually get to the, you know, to, to understand what drives people. Now you can see certain behaviors playing out, but you don't necessarily know the root cause. So that becomes also part of our, our job. And then once you try to understand the root causes, you can somewhat help predict what's coming next and you can help staying a little bit ahead of the game unless it's something really that comes out of nowhere like a pandemic right well that that kind of takes me into another question that I had for you Patricia and that is what are some of those things that you've you've noticed recently coming out of the pandemic that you think that, you know, whether it's a beauty or luxury brand or just retail retailers or brands in general in the retail and CPG space, what should they be paying attention to that you think is missing? I know you mentioned like being in China. I mean, I think of like live streaming, for example, or selling, you know, products to the Chinese consumer. We talked to to Dave Ritter from A&M not too long ago. And that was one of the things that he was saying, Mm -hmm. you know, that opportunity kind of got scaled back um, because of the pandemic, but it's it's still a a very large opportunity. What kinds of things are you seeing in your in your research that are kind of leading you in one way or another or that you think retailers should be paying attention to? So I think the first thing that that happened during the pandemic was, you know, if you had a distribution that was not online, that was that was immediately gone, right? Stores were shut down. And so e-com 
became your main channel of distribution and sale. And so I think that caught a lot of people by surprise that were not necessarily digital natives, so more established legacy companies that had a roadmap for, you know, how long it would take them to get to, you know, the size that an e-com business represents of your total business, how it needs to be set up, what does a you know consumer journey looks like, what kind of tools, how do I you know how do I talk to my consumer differently online than what I do if I'm in a physical space, especially for industries even like beauty where touching and experimenting is so critical, and I think that you know, most companies have leapfrogged, you know, five, Mm -hmm. 10 years down the road in a 12 month period, just so they can catch up, right? So I think that those that haven't done that yet will have to do it because I do not believe that all of those behaviors are going to shift back post pandemic, right? I mean, Forming a certain habit takes a while to form, but we've already gone through kind of like 12 months. And and then once those habits are in place, they're not that easy to shift back, right? So if I think about some of the things that I do today, some of that is not going to go away, right? It wasn't here, but the way I shop and how easy it is for me to now buy things online that I didn't think I would be buying before or doing certain things at home, even from a beauty routine. Um, some of those things, I don't see myself changing back even when the world opens up. So people need to get ready for it, for sure. Right. Patricia, how, when you're dealing with something like a pandemic, you're a consultant, you are the expert. How are you approaching talking to your clients when they're in this kind of situation? I mean, it's nobody really knows the right answer, but what kind of skills did you have to pull from or experiences did you have to pull from to bring for the best like uh, opportunities or, or paths for your clients? What did that take? Because <laughs> it seems like it would be a, a difficult thing. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. And, and I'm trying to reflect back because I've been at this one client now for about a year and a month. So I, I started on on this one uh, place and, and it's a retailer um, five weeks before the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And we were there to help them on a set of issues or opportunities that five weeks in completely changed. Right. right? And so if I think about what were the things that we activated at once in terms of the role that we played as consultants, Mm -hmm. which I think were very helpful, um, were primarily, you know, number one, we, we, we almost kind of like, we started acting like we were just, we were just part of the team, right? So their problem was our problem, right? So all of a sudden we were part of these daily you know, multiple times a day meetings of saying, okay, this is what we need to do, right, to survive, right? And, you know, everything from what was safe for employees and, you know, the folks in the stores, distribution, um, but also in terms of, you know, conserving cash, Mm -hmm. um, to migrating things online, to looking at your assortment. We literally just went, we migrated from being 
you know, fairly strategic, helping them with a five to 10 year plan to all of a sudden helping them run the business and survive. Right. right? And so I think, you know, they were very appreciative of that, but like just stirring that switch immediately was, um, was critical. Was that something that, I mean, does that happen ever outside of a pandemic time? I mean, are you really like as a consultant jumping into that degree where like rolling up your sleeves and you're part of the team? So, yes, I feel like, you know, if I go back because this particular, you know, experience has led me to go back and rethink some of my prior experiences and also how I want to serve my clients going forward. Right. And yes, some of the best work that we have done came from a very close collaboration and understanding of our client, which required at times being in day-to-day roles or being part of their day-to-day, but never like this, right? Right. Never like it's happened before. And I actually think that there was something that's going to come out of it, which is we should be more like that than the, you know, the other way. Of course, there are, there are certain kinds of problems or projects that are going to be very much like, you know, this is your sandbox, go off and, you know, and do that. And that's okay. But to really, truly have a transformational role at a client, you have to, you, you have to be there on the day-to-day. The teams have to be mixed, right? There has to be shared accountabilities. And this sounds really great. And, you know, it sounds like I could put that on a slide and it's going <laughs> to look good. And, and we've often done that, right? But have never lived it like I have been living it now. And yes, we would like to operate that way going forward too, for sure. How has that changed you as a person and uh, not just a consultant, but like uh, how you approach your work and how you stay inspired by the work? I mean, the work, I mean, it's, some of it is just pandemic, right? I feel like the work has, you know, one of the things that has changed this year is I take things a lot more lightly than I used to in the past, right? And so there's a degree of, you know, having a sense of humor that, you know, I, I've always had that, but I feel like it just took it to a whole other, you know, level. You know, you're, you know I'm, I'm with my client all the time. Mm -hmm. on zoom and they're in my living room pretty much the entire day right and so my not so perfect life it's playing itself out in the background right and so it's the puppy you know it's my daughter and you know she's hungry and she has a question she's 10 she's not always going to wait or appreciate the fact that that's a pretty senior meeting um (laughs) And so it's like, you know, it it happens. There's something that you can control. So right before this meeting, for instance, I called my doorman and I said, do not ring the doorbell. Do not ring the intercom because the puppy is going to bark. And I wasn't sure if this was going to be live. And I was like, it cannot have the background noise. And then I called him again and I was like, Gus, if the building is on fire, you please call me. (laughs) Right. We all got to, we all have to give each other a little bit more grace. I think, you know, yeah, it's just, it's... But yes. Um, I think grace is an absolute, you know, the right word, right. We, I think we have to be a lot more gracious and it's both in the way that, you know, I interact with my clients, but also in the way that I interact with my team. 
um, it's just tough right now. And right. No way to control what what's happening in in the backgrounds of our lives anymore. So we just have to be really gracious. Absolutely. I think that well, has changed me also as a person. Patricia, I'd love to kind of, as we start to close the conversation, hear about what you're doing now at Alvarez Marcel and what inspires you about the work that you're doing right now? What keeps you motivated through these pandemic times? <laughs> Hopefully towards the end of the pandemic times. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, no, we're almost there. So yeah, it, it, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. Um, you know, I'm in a very unique um place in my career right now because, you know, even though I have been a consultant for 20 years, um, I was at one firm for the bulk of my career. Um, I left after my daughter was born um, to try something different in the industry because I just felt I needed a little bit of a break from consulting to kind of like readjust. And then I realized, no, 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 no. I really need to be a consultant. And I made a second choice again to go into consulting this time a lot more like, okay, this is really what I'm good at. And I think I can have the flexibility I need to be a mom and have a career in consulting. And so I rejoined and I was at, you know, that second stint of my career in consulting, you know, was about five years um, as a partner at Kearney. And then about a year and a half ago, I decided that um, I was going to join a group of friends um, partners from other firms um, and join them at AM, which was standing up a consumer and retail group. And so this feels a little bit like being in a startup, okay. but not letting go of being a consultant, which it essentially is what I know how what to do and it's what I'm good at. But mm -hmm. we're building things now based on, you know, how we how we've always kind of envisioned and I'm doing that with friends and I'm doing that in, you know, under a brand and a home that I really enjoy being part of. Um, so that's, you know, that that's really inspiring for me right now. Just the idea that maybe, you know, this thing that I'm building, I'm, I'm hoping it's a, it's a sure thing. This thing that I'm building will be here after I am retired at a beach in Brazil. Somewhere. <laughs> It's still going to be alive and, you know, it's going to be here for the other people that I'm recruiting right now so they can take it on as partners. Um, so that's one. The other thing which also really inspires me today is there are certain topics and things that we're helping our clients tackle around things like inclusivity or sustainability that were not even remotely in the agenda when I started this mm. job. Right. And I think it's, is it late? Yes, but it's a total step in the right direction. And just being part of that conversation and helping, you know, build, you know, a better environment for people that are working in these, you know, in these places or for consumers is just, it's, it's inspiring. So it's, it's exciting. Well, one thing that you just said that really hit me, um, and a piece of advice that I think I will be taking from this interview is that it's okay to stop and start again, <laughs> that it's, it doesn't, if, if you feel like you need a break from something or you want to be sure that totally. you know, you're on the right path, that it's okay to stop and go back and try it again. Um, and if that's what your passion 
passionate about and that's what you're good at, that it will be there for you. And I think that's a really important thing for everybody listening to understand, regardless of what point in their career um, they are. What is the advice you'd give for somebody who listened to this? They, they loved your career story. They're interested in doing that themselves. What would you tell them? All right. So, and this is advice that I give to all of my juniors and I give it to people that are interviewing um, in general as you're starting out your career, right? And, and it's consulting, but I think it's applicable to anything that you do um, when you're just, you know, starting your journey. Um, so number one for me is always follow your moral compass and never, ever compromise on ethics. There's no second chances for that, right? And mm-hmm. as a junior, you may encounter certain times in your life where people are asking you to do things that are out, outside of your comfort zone from an ethical standpoint. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's asking you to do it. You never compromise on that, ever. Um I think the other thing is, you know, I, I ask, you know, all the young folks, I tell them, you're responsible for your own brand at the end of the day, right? So um, own it, right? Take responsibility for it. So everything that you do, everything that you say, how you communicate, how you engage with other people, that's all going to be part of your brand. And so don't think of your brand just as the place that you work with that's sitting kind of on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile at the end of the day. It's, you know, you you are the biggest brand that you have and that you carry with yourself. And then I think the final thing is, you know, you have to realize that no matter what situation you're in, there's always something that you're going to be learning from. And I think when you are starting a job, sometimes you're thinking this is not too glamorous enough. It's not strategic enough. Um, It doesn't matter. I mean, I've been in situations where I thought that early on in my career. And then, you know, 10 years down the road, something clicks and I'm like, oh, I'm using that that I learned there. And it can be anything from you know, how to interact with people. It could be a particular topic. It could be a tough situation that you dealt with. Um, just throw yourself in into anything that you do. It pays off. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, we always close with this question, and that is, Patricia, if you could look back on your career and write one person a thank you note for how they impacted your career in one way or another, who would you choose to write that note to? And what would you say to them? Oh, my goodness. Um, can I do two people, two sets of people? No. Well, <laughs> we try to stick to one, but okay, if you fine, can't stick possibly. To one. Stick to one. Okay. To one. Um, no, because I always default to my parents because they, they are extraordinary. They but count I, as one unit. That's fine. Okay, you can count your but, parents as one. No, no, no. But I'm going to go for someone else also. So I have this one, you know, this one partner that I, that I work with. And he was the first partner I worked with when I moved from Brazil over to, to the U.S. And okay. he now happens to be a partner at A&M um, in CRG. And... Um, Yes, I feel like, you know, I learned, I learned so much from him, right? And a lot of the things that I learned have to do with, at the end of the day, just doing what is right. And that has, you know, it seems like pretty obvious, but 
it has so many implications for so many different things from, you know, how I build my teams and the pyramids and how I develop the people to how I relate to my clients. Um, and, you know, everyone is unique and has a different way of delivering a message. But if you keep that to your core, um, you know, you, you can sleep well at the end of the day. And I think that's really important. Well, it sounds like somebody, it's hard to find people that will say that and put it into practice too, but it sounds like he was somebody who did that. So yeah, he's still doing it. Happy. Ha- yes. Or still doing it. Yes. Happy that, uh, that you had that encounter and that you are that person for a lot of, of people as well, um, on your team and, and who knows who, who else in the future. Yeah. Well, Patricia, thank you so much for being a part of this and for sharing your story with us. Patricia Hong, partner at the Consumer and Retail Group at Alvarez and Marcel. We appreciate you. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you, Anne. Thanks for having me. If you were going to have a concert, your own concert with three bands, dead or alive, who do you choose? Oh, my God. I feel like, you know, my daughter would kill me if I don't pick like Taylor Swift. Right, yeah, should be yeah. like you have the opportunity of a lifetime, and you don't have like Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. So, I feel like they they have to be in there. Okay. Um, and then you know maybe my third one I would do this is Brazilian singer, and he passed away in the eighties of AIDS, and his name is Cazuza, and he was wonderful, and he was oh. so great.